Dragon the Peg is recorded on Treaty 1 territory, the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, the Cree, the OG Cree, the Dakota, and the Dene peoples, and on the homeland of the Métis Nation. Welcome to the season two finale of Drag in the Peg, a podcast series exploring the lives and careers of drag performers living in Winnipeg, Canada. My name is Graham Hooson, and I'll be your host. Today's episode may sound a little bit different. To give some background, ever since I decided to do a second season, I knew just the drag queen who'd close it out. And we had some really big plans to make it as extravagant as possible. We thought of a live show or a full interview style tour of the city, something that measured up to this queen's immense legacy. But then, COVID-19 hit. We recorded almost every single episode before this pandemic, except for the very final episode, the most important of them all. So we had to improvise. What we came up with was a video interview, a first for this podcast. It certainly sacrificed a bit of the glamour we were looking for, but all in all, I think it turned out pretty good. So if you'd rather watch the live video, I'll leave a link to our Facebook page in the description here. If good old podcast style is more your thing, not to worry, the interview's just the same. The audio's a little crankier, and some of the visual jokes might not make any sense, but it's the same content. Now that that's out of the way, allow me to introduce the Grand Dame herself. Matron of Club 200, 2020 Anti of the Year, Empress 2 and 7, this icon of Winnipeg drag royalty is bar none the warmest, most down-to-earth performer in our city. She's a central figure to our scene, and this series simply wouldn't be complete without her. In the words of Lita Tequila, she's everyone's drag mom. Please help me welcome the one, the only, Anita Stallion. Okay. Anita Stallion. Hi. Here you are. Here I am. <laughs> oh, it's so good to hear your voice. I've missed it so much. And you as well. You're looking fabulous. Oh, you stop. Just what, this? <laughs> Just something you threw on? <laughs> this used to belong to Pictoria Secrete. Can you believe it? Oh, nice. And do you know who owns that? Oh, yeah. uh... Did you have to take it in? <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> Which was startling because she's like seven feet tall. But she's a small, she's small. She's a petite. You know she's who's petite got, girl. do you know who's got Gloria's dress? The matching one? Ooh. Joan Castellata. Well, I know she didn't take that one in. <laughs> You're horrible. Time for, no, no, no. It's time for tea here. Time for tea. Oh my gosh. Time for tea. <laughs> spill it all over yourself. No, I won't. <laughs> Shant. <laughs> so, how have you been doing in? Uh, how have you been doing at home, all alone? Um, it's okay. Well, Mark, I have my partner, of course, is is with me, so it's not the same. But um, I can't imagine people that don't have, you know, other family or friends or animals or anything. Like it's, it's definitely been a tough time, I think, for a lot of people. Yeah. How have you been keeping busy? Um. Well, I'm. I've been spending a lot of time with my mom because uh, I help her out and whatnot. So, and she's doing well. So because of that, I really have to watch myself. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I've been not as busy as I thought I would be. I had so many plans of different things I was going to do and, you know, time's just flying by. Yeah. 
we are missing out on some amazing drag shows that were scheduled throughout April and May. Yes, I know. It's been just brutal. But yeah. you know what? It's, we'll be back soon enough, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, and I can't wait for it. Um, so... Yeah, and a better, better to wait and be to rush it. Absolutely. So, um, okay. Miss Anita Stallion, we had grand plans for this episode. Yeah. <laughs> we were going to do something absolutely amazing. You wanted to host a live show a la Oprah Winfrey. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you wanted I think to do. I it. Do you, you remember wanna... when I kept asking you what I was going to wear? Yeah. This is why this happened. <laughs> you asked for it, you got it, Anita. Exactly. Just like the Blue Bombers winning the Great Cup. Remember, I picked that one too. I do remember that. I have a, yeah. I've got a question for you. Are you wearing mm. nails? <laughs> no, but you know what? I have my, um, my, my nails. I don't have nail glue. Of course, now that I haven't done drag in so long, I'm realizing different little things that I have. Like I didn't have my foundation. Mm -hmm. um, I had to send my lovely assistant out to grab some for me today. Because mm -hmm. uh, you can't build a house without foundation. And this is a house. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Brick house. <laughs> Lots of coverage. <laughs> yeah, no, tonight I'm not wearing nails. I didn't. I could have actually, but oh, we'll plug her anyways. Um, our wonderful friend, uh, <laughs> Purple Haze. Purple. Purple Haze. But her company name is Al I can't. Alleganza? Exante Goo What's Nails. I'm so terrible at that. That's, I only bought one set, though, so I guess I'm not expected to learn it that quickly yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Anita, you said you wanted to spill some tea today. You have well, so many No, I don't have a lot of tea to spill. It's just, um, no, I'm going to be drinking a lot of tea, is what I said. Uh, okay, <laughs> okay. We'll see about that by the end of the episode. Right? So my first question for you, Anita, when did you, how long have you been doing drag? When did you start doing drag? I started doing drag in, um, in September of 1998. Uh -huh. And um, it was basically uh, at Club 200. And I was encouraged to perform um, by a fellow performer, Charlotte Tonse, mm -hmm. um, who gave me my first pair of heels and said, see where these take you? I wasn't to be honest, at the beginning, um, it was, I, I admired it, but it wasn't something I ever visualized myself, visualized myself doing. Mm -hmm. um, at the time when I had started, uh, she was very encouraging to me to do it. And so I thought, you know what, I'll give it a try. And then that was uh, September 1st. Uh, in November of that same year, um, Jasmine Hormone had a pageant under her title. And so I won Miss Amateur Drake. Uh, in November and then from there it kind of took off she took me under her wing as her you know her little one I guess you could say <laughs> but uh, yeah I learned a lot from her she really took me out of my comfort zone and stretched stretched me in ways I never knew um, in terms of um, one of the things I also learned from is uh, is from Cassandra Crossing who encouraged me and talked me into <laughs> into being divine for a skit she was doing so that was another interesting thing too. That was actually the first time uh, she had this really warm sweater on and it was all itchy and whatnot. And I said, girl, can't I just do this with my bra on? And she was like, 
are you willing to go out there with your, I'm like, absolutely. I saw the movie, so I thought, hell, I'm ready. So that's like, <laughs> those little things kind of take you out of your comfort zone. So I, you know what, it, it, it just turned out to be something that progressed and progressed and progressed. And um, then the following May of 1999, Club 200 had their pageant. And I ran for Miss Club 200 and then I won. Wow. And so from there, it just kind of took off and was already, you know, um, it was very quick for me. I was hosting uh, Sunday night shows. Um, and then I started hosting bingo and whatnot. And then in July of 2000, I stepped down in, uh, in 2000, in July of 2001, um, I was encouraged, Club 200 encouraged me and Alan and Joel and everybody and was saying, you know, you should run for Empress, you should run. So I actually ran for Empress and then won. And so from there, it really took, it, it, it went really quickly. I, I, I can't really, uh, I can't really explain it. It was just the timing of things, the way things were happening at that time. It was just the, the mood of, of, of the city, I guess, and the community. And I was just very fortunate. And so from that point on, it just continued to be, the court obviously uh, became a big part. I was the first sole monarch who reigned by myself, um, which was great. And uh, I also felt proud about running for the title as the first indigenous person um, in our city. So I thought that's kind of cool too. So for me, it was more about doing it in a, in a style that was gonna feel comfortable for me um, and just allowed me to, uh, do it in a way that I felt would work, you know, and it did. It, it, we had, I had such an amazing group of people supporting me and the community was awesome that it just continued to grow and grow and grow, you know, and then I finished my year um, at the Skyview Ball and at the Marlboro and that was wonderful and I thought, okay, well, you know what, we're probably going to have a little bit of a break now and I was doing things, whatever, on the side. Um, and then in September, in February of 2002, I was notified that I was nominated by the Court of Toronto to sit on the Court Council of the International Court System. <coughs> so from there, I flew off to Seattle and had a meeting um, with Mama Jose, who was the founder of the court system. She interviewed everyone. There was 12, I think 10 or 12 delegates that went from across chose two people and I was um, given number 22 in line of succession to Mama Jose and Christopher Holmcrum of Toronto was given number 23. And then from there, I served on that council for three years um, and moved up as things were changing and whatnot within the courts. And so I went from 22 to 15. <laughs> within a matter of, I was on there for three years. So it was, it was quite an experience. I learned a lot and I met a lot of interesting people. Um, it's, it's interesting, you, you can always learn something from everyone, whether it's the good or the bad. Um, you either learn what you're going to uh, portray, what you're gonna agree with, or you're also gonna realize very quickly what you don't agree with and what doesn't fit for you. So I think for me, my success within the court system was that I was very quick to decide and know who I was gonna surround myself with um, and the people that were going to provide me with the with, with who I wanted to represent myself as. Wow. So I, yeah, that was, in a nutshell, that was all of that. So I it, was knew quite, that uh, were, it was quite an experience. Yeah, I knew that you were like, obviously extremely involved in the Winnipeg court. I didn't realize that you were involved in like 
the international court. Yeah, for, I served on there for three years and I got to travel to some amazing cities, um, Chicago, uh, Sacramento, Seattle, Nebraska, uh, Des Moines, Iowa. Um, yes, oh, and <laughs> I've got <laughs> my lovely assistant here. My, one of the things that was awesome, I got to sing the Canadian national anthem at Coronation One in Chicago. Right across really? The right across from Wrigley Field. So that was always, that was really exciting too. Yeah, I got to meet a lot of interesting people. And like I said, serving under Jose was such an amazing experience. I learned so much from her. Um, she is such a pioneer in, 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 the, in the gay community, like around the world. She was one of the only gay people to run for political office. She did a lot in her years. And I was so proud to have gotten an opportunity to get to know her and and spend some time with her, you know, she was, she was really a cool person and I really, I miss her dearly. She was really great. Wow. I'm, yeah. I'm still stuck up, uh, I'm still hung up on the fact that you sang the Canadian National Anthem. Do you have a singing <laughs> voice, Anita Stallion? I, well, somewhat. <laughs> when you're asked to do an anthem, girl, trust me, you practice lots and you make sure you get it right. <laughs> I got all the words right. That's all I have to worry about. Yeah, that's all you need. So, uh, what about the court system? Or you know what? Let's back it up a little bit. What about drag kept you coming back? Because you said you weren't so sure about it. And then you kind of just like tumbled in year after year you know into what? your positions. To be quite honest with you, I really, <laughs> even today, I honestly don't know. I can't, it's such a difficult question to answer. Uh-huh. Um, because I've always thought, oh, you know, well, this is fun. And this is, you know, it was, it, it was, it was entertaining. I had a good, I met people. As it got more serious, um, the title of Empress was was huge for me because it it offered me an opportunity to fundraise for my city. But also, the one thing that people always got to remember is, as the monarch, you get to choose the charities. So the fact that I was able to choose um, for my charities, I chose uh, two of the, the food banks from the University of Winnipeg as well as the University of Manitoba. I sent uh, money to um, the Fort Gary Women's Resource Center. And it's a program that they had operating there where they would provide women with clothing uh, to, to make appearances in court. Uh, we provided money to Osborne House, Nine Circles Community Health Center. There were so many different um, opportunities I had. And that was part of it for me that kept me tied into it. So mm-hmm. I'd say definitely the fundraising keeps you going and the fact that it's it's fun and it's enjoyable and yeah, you know <laughs> once in a while it's not too bad i find right now like for myself i enjoy picking and choosing what i'm going to do and having that opportunity to be selective because back then it was very different there was there was less people there was less performers so you really needed to count on your other performers in order to have shows yourself so it was really uh it was, it's really changed and developed over the years. And so, you know, the fact that we had four bars at one time and, it, it, you know, four bar, bar titles, to be honest. So now it's just different. And, but like I said, the community is going to still continue to evolve as uh, we've spoken about. And, you know, change is good. It's not always the most comfortable, but you know what? You, you sometimes need to get used to it. Yeah. I'm trying to like digest the fact that in less than a year, if I'm keeping my numbers straight, you went from never doing drag to hosting a show every single Sunday. Yeah, basically. How did that like, 
Within my first year of doing drag, I was hosting a Sunday gig. Wow. How did that, did that like change your entire yeah. life? It was very interesting. It just, it took, you know what it took me? And I was, I was open, I guess, to it. And it was fun. And I, you know, it was, but like I said, it was early for me. So I didn't really have any uh, preconceived notions about, you know, the time range. And people would complain and whatnot and what, about, you know, getting ready. Of course, it takes a lot of work to get ready. I'm very fortunate. Um, I don't grow art, hair, arm, arm, uh, hair on my arms or my back or anything like that. So, <laughs> but other than that, no, I've just enjoyed it. It's been an experience and I've just followed and continue to do uh, things the way I felt they should be done. Um, upon doing drag as well, for me, I, I think a lot of it was, um, I looked at the women around me. My mother and my grandmother were very strong women. And I, I felt if I was going to do this, I would have to do it um, just being a strong individual without uh, following the natural, um, I need someone to help me, I need someone to do this for me. And I also think, too, being the first soul monarch, that was something I was also very aware of and thinking, you know what, no, I, I guess... If they're electing me to do this as my own, as an individual, then I guess I, I need to be able to do things on my own. And I need to, you know, do the sisters are doing it for themselves, you know, kind of thing. So I, I, I strongly believe of that as well. You know, that, that taught me a lot. But yeah, I've always tried to come from the different lessons I've learned from the women in my life and, you know, use humor, treat people kindly and, you know, just try and come from a good place. And that's what I try and do. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> Thanks. I thought you were having a nap. <laughs> I'm like, is she frozen? <laughs> no, because okay. I have the worst listening face in the world. I just <laughs> stare, which I think is fun. Wow, you could probably use that face on a doll somewhere. <laughs> yeah, a troll doll, maybe. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god, Anita, that was a, anyway. that was a sleeper hit. <laughs> <laughs> you walked into that one. I did. So, Anita, uh, your first title, Miss Club 200. Now, like 20 years later, you're regularly introduced as the matron of Miss Club 200, which is a title that kind of only you have. Like, uh, Miss Club 200's mm -hmm. come and go, but you're kind of always there. What, is, what does matron of Miss Club 200 mean? To be quite honest, I don't... I, <laughs> the way this happened was... Um, I think it was Alan that was doing an interview and threw that out there and it kind of from there carried on. Um, I look at it as, uh, because Club 200 had bar titles before me, they had three of them, but they had discontinued them for seven years. So when I came into the scene and I was, I, I, I was crowned in May of 99, I didn't step down until September of 2000 because we originally weren't going to have another pageant. Mm -hmm. I was just going to be, you know, because they didn't need it. Like, you know, as I'm sure you're aware, Club 200 op operates, excuse me, as a business. So they had their, you know, they can make their own rules. And so they were like, we're just going to, you'll just keep doing it. Wow. Um, and then I thought, no, it would be good to have someone else do it. And then I could work with that person. I could still do things. And... I could still assist this other person in, you know, bringing someone new into this whole thing experience. They were cool with it. So in September, I crowned Joan Costalazza. Yeah. And so I got, yes. So I got to work with her a lot um, in her title. And then from there, 
as people step down, I just can I just continued helping the for the next person. And so from there, I think they just they just saw that as you know. Yeah, I don't know. I I can't really answer. <laughs> that makes but, sense yeah, to me. Yeah. So that's where I've, I've just taken it and I look at it. I take it very seriously. I've always tried to support each of our title holders. Um, they all have different varieties and they, they come from different places. Um, and I think the, it's important to have people, re, uh, it's important to have people be able to, to, to reign and represent with what their best strong, uh, putting their best strengths and their best foot forward. Mm -hmm. So I always think it's important to try and information from the diverse new wins what they see what they visualize the year looking like what you know what's their hopes and in terms of their what do they want out of it and so basically getting that person across the finish line that's what i've looked at as my responsibility um and i think i've got a pretty good uh percentage so far maybe not 100 percent, but it's pretty darn good <laughs> <laughs> i think people see you as kind of like the heavenly matriarch of winnipeg drag i don't know you're kind of just like like the middle. obviously extremely important and right. obviously contributes so much to the club's success but you know they come and go every year but hmm. miss anita stallion hard time so getting far. her off that horse <laughs> can i ask a shady question uh sure who had the best year you know what? It's so tough to it, tough because every single representative has their own strengths. So there's certain areas where I didn't do, I didn't have to do a lot of shows. There's certain ones where they've asked me to host with them. Um, certain people are easier to get along with. There's everyone has their own strengths and weaknesses. So I can't really say there was one that outshined any of the others. And also at the same time, just like with any other title, um, a lot of it has to do with the timing. The timing is definitely going to be uh, controlling what your experience is like. Like right now, for example, um, our current Rainy Miss Club 200 is, you know, in quarantine. <laughs> you know, the bar. So there's different things that happen for each Miss Club 200. So it'd be really hard to say. And we don't have a situation where we raise money for charity or we have a fundraising. So there's no way to really measure that question. But mm -hmm. nice try. <laughs> answered like a true politician answered like a true pageant queen anita i have to say i have to say though if you ran you it would probably be you you know what i don't doubt that i know that's shady but i don't doubt that oh wait oh you mean best i i, I thought you meant worst yeah oh no 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 i'm not no 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 not an, <laughs> not, not that shady no not that shady t's still in the cup there who had the worst year <laughs> Well, um, my hair turned this color. <laughs> I thought my you were really going to answer that. My hair turned this color for a reason, I'm sure. And I think it happened um, back when... Contem <laughs> I'll let you bleep out that name. <laughs> okay. Okay, Anita. <laughs> Nobody will know the true person I named, right? Is Even I hearing? won't, because you blipped out as soon as you started saying the name, but I think oh, I know no. what you said. <laughs> <laughs> the internet connection censored you. Oh, see? I've got people watching out for me. 
You've got a little agent with a with a internet gun mm-hmm. loaded at me. Okay, so you and I and everyone in Winnipeg knows that you have some crazy stories, Miss Anita. Are you going to share some with us? <laughs> well, I don't know what stories you're talking about. There's lots of different ones. Like, I mean, um, hmm. Oh, my goodness. Well, I can tell you, there's lots of things I've experienced. I've had cocktails down by the riverside years ago with Joan and Jennifer. We had uh, champagne down and had sat at the park after Pride and had some drinks. And then, <laughs> this, and I know this is terrible, but we threw our glasses into the river. <laughs> or to Your champagne the river. crystals? We were, and we were all in drag. So that was one fun thing. Um, uh, something that happened when I wasn't in drag, and I, 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 uh, I attest to this. Um, I once <laughs> shared a living. I, I once uh, stayed with one of our one of our monarchs, and <laughs> let me just say I've learned to make sure that the door is always locked, um, because. <laughs> What is Brianna that? Burlesque. <laughs> Brianna Burlesque walked in on me once. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, is that not the story you were talking about? <laughs> no, that's exactly the story I was talking about, Miss Anita. I want the juice and you deliver. <laughs> yeah, it was, that was way back. Yes, that was about, good, um, about 12, 10, 12 years ago. Yeah. Oh, my God. She walked God. right in. She did a knock, 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 and opened the door, and then I was like, ah! And then, obviously, someone else was there, and they went, ah! <laughs> and then, she left. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that was, that was a crazy one. That'll do it. <laughs> so... <laughs> She's probably selling the pictures right now as we speak. Oh, she had cameras. No, I need to start an OnlyFans. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, uh, you've been around for 22 years now. Mm-hmm. Holy crap! Does that, did the time fly, or does that time hit you? Um, it went really quickly because. I'm someone, I've always been busy. I always had different things going on outside of my role as Miss Club 200. After I finished, I also got hired on by um, a company based in Toronto, um, Pink Triangle Press, which had a telepersonals. (laughs) It had a what? Here we go again. They had a telepersonals uh, phone line. Oh. And so I was the one that was given the cards and the memberships to let them, you know, try and um, try our service out. So <laughs> I made a lot of friends during that time. <laughs> In terms, not for myself, but people who are always like, "Girl, do you have any of those cards? I want to try that. So yeah, I worked for them for uh, quite a few years. Um, I think probably about three or four years. That was while and it, that happened. Um, the funny thing about that was I had just won Miss Club 200 in May of uh-huh. nine. The gentleman who was working for them at the time, uh, Harlan, um, approached me at another venue and said, oh, you know, you're really good at doing this, blah, blah, blah. 
And I was like, oh, whatever, you know, if you need any help. And he's like, because he was asking me to help him out. So from there, I, I got hired by them. So basically, I became their Winnipeg representative. And they would send me cards. They'd, you know, send me some uh, food stamps every month. No. <laughs> they sent me some money. And I worked for them for years. And then through that, that job, I ended up, um, I even had to travel for them. And I went to Edmonton for their pride and represented Cruise Line and did that kind of stuff. So, yeah, they were a great company to work for. I had so much fun. Um, the internet, of course, uh, changed some things so that people didn't need our services much anymore. Because no one uses the phone, right? <laughs> Are we talking about phone sex right now? Yes. You gave out cards for phone sex hotlines? No, 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 no. I gave an opportunity for people to meet other people in our city. Oh. Who would dial this number and then they would hook, everyone would be online. Uh, 982-37, well, it's not there anymore. People would meet online and you would get this free trial membership for 30 minutes. So when you go on, they, you would go through all the ads and you would hear all the different people on there. And then uh -huh. um, you would decide if you wanted to talk to someone or not. And then from there, um, you would hook up. If you didn't do it quick enough, though, you would run out of time and then you would need to buy a <laughs> and add extra time to it. So that, that was their little, that was their little, their little catch. That's how they get you. There. Yeah. And so when I would do an event and I would have these cards and I'd be going out because it also helped us for people to try it and you needed people to generate the interest in it. So after that, I would always get people to tell me, oh, yeah, uh, hey, Carl, do you, uh, do you have any of those things? <laughs> yes. And then I would hear about the parties and stories later and how they would have friends come over. And one person I know turned up the heat so that people would keep be a little bit warm in their party. <laughs> I was Crazy. hoping that you were one of the phone operators. Oh, no, 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 what, there was no, there was no need for an operator because you would hook up with other people. So that's the way it worked. Yeah. I was just there to, um, I would go on once in a while because I, and I, because I worked for them and I'd just be like, hi, this is Anita Stallion, your cruise line director. How are you all doing? Hope everyone's having a good time. If you have any help or need any help with any of the prompts, message me and let me know. So, oh. yeah, this is way before the internet. So it was quite, uh, it was quite fun. <laughs> Can I just say, you look beautiful in this golden hour lighting. Look at you, you're oh. glowing. <laughs> Aww. Must be something in the tea. <laughs> Must be something in the tea. <laughs> so you've been doing drag for, 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 for 22 years. I gotta say that again, because that's almost the same time that I've been alive. That happens a lot. <laughs> I get that a lot. <laughs> yeah. And back then, you said that there were like, there were four clubs, not that many performers. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that Club 200 specifically was the club that kind of survived the drop-off? Well, I think not a lot to of... Shady to any other owners that might be listening. I think one really, one really, um, one difference, obviously, is that... Um, for Club 200, it was, it was privately owned. I think when you have a board and people coming in and we're, you know, 
I know everyone has the best of intentions and whatnot, but it's difficult to be a bar manager if you've never been a bar manager. And even after the 20 years that I've been working there and what, I still wouldn't have the confidence to, to say that I, I could be someone that would general manage a bar because there's so much different aspects to, to the bar. So I think the one thing is we had the consistency of having the owners. Alan and Joel invested their heart and soul into the club. Um, and we have a community. It was, it was a very community-oriented bar. So people really supported it. People really um, were like home. It was more like um, almost a community center. It, was, it wasn't like a bar. So, yeah, it was just, it, I think it's just different, different ways, styles of managing. Um, I don't know. And I was Miss Club 200, I have to say. <laughs> they didn't have a Miss Anita Stallion. Not to be shady, but I mean, I did watch a lot of closures, <laughs> you know, so I don't know. I don't know what they, I don't know what happened anywhere else. All I know is for us, we continue to stay true to our customers um, and we just were able to do it. And like I said, even during this, I feel very fortunate that um, I work, I have employers that are very smart and business savvy that, you know what, we're going to get through this. You know, they, they're very smart in the way they do their business and we are going to get through this. And I feel, that's why I feel, I think we're, why we lasted a little bit longer, you know, because once again, after this whole experience, I'm sure there's going to be different establishments that end up closing, but it's, I don't know. It's just, we just continue to, to I think, what is, is what works. And we stay true to that. Wow. Yeah. And imagine the shows that are going to happen once we're out of this. Oh, absolutely. You know, and that's the thing, too. Drag is constantly going to evolve. It's always going to change. It's going to be, um, it's always going to be moving in different directions with different people and different styles. I think it's just going to be, we just got to be more, um, we just got to be more uh, open to supporting each other. I think there's a lot of, um, I, I don't know, as an older person, I also find necessarily privy to a lot of the information that some of the girls are chatting about so i don't really know that there's you know I, i'll say um issues amongst people but i can definitely sense it sometimes so that's one thing i wish didn't happen as much but you know what it's going to always happen in society you have different people and differences opinions so i just kind of keep myself out of that as well <laughs> yeah you really do like not to not to cast shade on anybody else but like I feel like everybody else in the scene, particularly mayhaps uh, performers who've been around for a while, who kind of are used to maybe a different way of doing drag, when they saw right. this like massive, crazy, weird influx of strange drag to them, some of them, it took a little bit of time for them to get used to it. But I feel like you kind of just embraced it immediately. What was that well, like? The, well, I think the other thing too is because I've also seen a lot of performers come and go. Ah. So I can, you know what, I've been, I'm kind of in my lane. I stay in my lane. I do my thing. I'm not like, I, this is, you know how much trouble we had trying to set this up. I'm not a Facebook person. I'm not an internet person. <laughs> I'm more about the hosting and, you know, going down to the club, sitting and chilling. Um, not even necessarily hosting a show per se. More so, um, I like emceeing. I love emceeing. You know, 
So that's what I try and I stay in my lane and that's what I enjoy doing the most. So that's what I do. And so that's why I think for me, you can have as many performers as you want, unless there's someone I see coming down the, coming down the pipes that has the same strengths as me. I don't, I don't really, I'm like, bring it on, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Was that ever weird for you or hard? Because, okay, so I grew, I started doing drag in a time where it felt like kind of stuff like gender and sort of like rules for drag were kind of chucked out the window. Uh, was that ever hard for you to accept? Or was that ever hard for you to understand the way that like drag just like suddenly kind of changed? Um, well, because it hasn't changed for me personally, it's not really, you know what I, like, like I said, like for me, I, you can have, you can have 20 new performers every year. The reality is for me, I do what I do. I've got, you know, like I get my bookings from people who know what they're going to get. It's, I, and I welcome it because of the fact that I've been around when there was less people. I've been around when there was less regular gigs. Um, I'm very fortunate in the 22 years that I, it's very consistent. I didn't really get a time off or a break. I wasn't getting three or four months or you wouldn't see me for six months. It was more like you would see me every, you know, at least once a week. So I was very consistent in terms of the amount of times I was doing drag. And therefore I really appreciate the fact that there's so many new people because just like everybody else in the world, you get tired of the same people all the time. So it's nice to have fresh faces and new ideas. And you know what, if it works for me, it works for me. If it doesn't, that's fine. But I don't, it's neither here nor there. I don't need to, I don't have to like everybody. I don't have to want to perform like everybody. And I don't think anyone should ever feel like that. I think we all come to uh, with this, with our own strengths and our own weaknesses. And we also have our own followers and people who believe in us that, you know, they'll be the ones to tell us when we're done. And so till that time comes, I'm here. <laughs> Hell yeah, you are. Right? I love that approach. I think that is a really great way of thinking about drag because people do whatever they do, but you're kind of just, you're doing whatever you want to do and you're going to keep doing it. And you know that. I think that's really admirable. Mm. I love that. Yeah, it's, it's, that's the way I've always looked at it. So I don't, it, I don't let it, I don't know. It's, I think it's interesting to see the different ways that drag has evolved, but I, I always, I just keep it like, I, I just look at what, what works for me and what I, what I enjoy doing. So yeah, it's definitely, <laughs> there's definitely some different things going on, but you know what, why not, right? Yeah, I love that. So let's talk a little bit about uh, this past, oh no, oh my gosh, was it in the fall? Oh my God, time is flying. You were named Auntie of the Year by Bannock Babes. Oh, I know. <laughs> and you were given, was that a star blanket that you were given? A star blanket, a beautiful star blanket, yes. What was um, that like? It was very overwhelming and very, um, very unexpected, because I didn't realize I had that. <laughs> so I've never even heard of that as a, as a title or something or as an award. So it kind of threw me off that they'd done it for one. And I was just overwhelmed by it. And I think it's just, I was very shocked, <laughs> you know, because I didn't realize that that was what was happening. So I was very, you know, I, I it was such a warming experience. Um, and, you know, I, I, it leaves, it leaves me speechless even today to think about it. Like, I really don't know how to, you know, it's just, I, I was just speechless. I was really speechless. <laughs> well, but I, I think feel, it, 
but it feels nice. You're the first ever. You were you were the first ever Auntie of the Year, I believe. Yeah, that's what I mean. I didn't even know that. that I did, it was just very shocking. Yeah. But. What's that like for you? Because you said that when you started drag, you were you were the first ever Indigenous queen to hold a title and then cut to 20 years later and there's this amazing <laughs> showcase of indigenous performers and mm-hmm. they're all there and they're all being fantastic. What does that feel like? I wasn't the first indigenous performer to hold a title. I oh. was the first indi- indigenous person to hold the emperor and empress title ah, in gotcha. our province. Um, you know what, it feels amazing, it feels great. Um, people have done, they've done so much work, over, like it's just evolved so much and I think it's amazing. Um, you know, just such hard workers. Uh, Prairie's done an amazing job in, you know, doing all of that and organizing, like, all of that. And so it's so well, and I think we have such dynamic performers that all are really expressing themselves and feel that opportunity that they can express themselves. So that feels really super. Nice. So, Anita, you have touched so many people's lives. Anita, you have touched so many people. Just, what's that like looking? <laughs> what's that like looking back at your drag career and seeing this like legacy of Anita Stallion there? Because Anita, you're like you're like the person of Winnipeg drag. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's it's very it's intimidating. Is it? Um, it is because the more people look up to you. The, the the harder the fall towards the ground. So oh, that's yeah. one thing I, So I always think that's really, and I also don't want to come across as being, um, I don't know it all, because none of us do. Um, and I can give my share my opinion, but I don't think that it's the be all ends all. And I think if I'm going to look at like the same thing with um, this anti of the year thing, if I'm going to relate it to anything else in, in terms of what I've done with drag, it's again reminds me to continue to be open-minded, um, allow people to express their opinion, learn the facts and details about the situation, and that's something I find. That's probably why I don't get involved in a lot of things because people don't want to tell me the information <laughs> about why it's happening. But other than that, I just I don't I, I I take the time to try and figure out what exactly is going on in the story or the situation. So that's what. But it's scary because I don't want to make the wrong move and I also don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. So it's hard sometimes to to make these calls, but you know, you have to. But you do it in such like an unassuming way because like, I, I, I feel like on Dragon the Peg, I'm sometimes characterized as maybe um, puffing people up maybe more than some people think they should deserve. But I don't think there's a person out here that denies that Anita Stallion really is that bitch. <laughs> that bitch and like you do it in a way where you're not bragging and you're not ego driven you're just kind of always there you're always supportive you're always Mm -hmm. welcoming people into club 200 and making people feel like they're at home so you just do it so effortlessly oh there's some effort sometimes (laughs) easy breezy beautiful sometimes it does take a little bit of effort but like I said, as long as I, you know, as long as you, you have to find out what exactly is going on. Like, that's the thing I find. And that's where I think with some of these, what, some of the situations that have been going on amongst people, I never hear about anything. Like, I really, truly don't. And, it, and it's funny because when I'm out and about, all of a sudden, 
I'll just kind of get this weird vibe about something and I'm like, what? So, you know, and, and I, it's almost like I can tell when somebody says something to me or shares something, it just, you could feel the energy and I'm oh, really? And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, someone told her. Like, that's the way it feels sometimes because I'm really left out of a lot of things. And I think it's just people trying to spare me the, the grief. I don't know. <laughs> well, nobody wants to bring Auntie Anita into the fight. But I'm okay with fight. that. I'm okay, you're okay with, that. with that. I'm okay with that. Staying out of it at work. Because if you take a side, Anita, then that side is one. <laughs> Nobody wants to drag Anita into the fight. Oh. But you know what? If you feel if you if someone feels strong enough about their point, their point of view, then I think that's awesome. Like they should. That's exactly what I mean. I don't want to become that person where people don't think. They can challenge me because I mean you have to be challenged. So yeah, it's tough. It's really tough. But like I said, also as I'm getting older, this is the same attitude I've I find I'm I'm getting into that that time and, and that space for myself where it's like, what is it that I enjoy about doing church? What is it that is I don't enjoy about it? Um, and I find that the things that I enjoy the most are the people and the good times. Probably like 20 years ago, I, I might have, you know, listened more to stories and whatnot and like, oh, yeah. But now it's like, you know what? I don't have the time for it. And also, I think as a, I'm a different person today than I was 20 years ago. Um, being in a relationship is a totally different thing. Um, and, you know, like, yeah, it's, <laughs> it changes a lot. So um, it's different. I feel like. I'm a little more settled down. I'm not like on the core council. I got to travel a lot and go to see different, a lot of different cities, and be kind of like just you know after my meeting. And but it was now it's kind of like um, you know it's not the same traveling because mm. you still got to come home and make that bannock. <laughs> I gotta feed have... the kids. Oh, you got some bad. Is that what is that? Bannock. To go with That's my Bannock? Mm-hmm. I have a confession to make. I made Bannock earlier this week, and the giant pot full of hot oil is still on my stove. I thought I would have some Bannock with my tea. Six days later. I'm not that relaxed. <laughs> do, you, do you bake your Bannock, or do you fry it? <laughs> That's a serious <laughs> question. That's not I know, and my, and my answer is, I walk over to my mother's and I pick it up. Whichever she's made is what I get. <laughs> she makes it really good, so I always go get her. <laughs> you won't catch Miss Dallin in the kitchen needing that though. Oh, I do. I mean, but it's like, yeah, she does it so much better. So I'm like, oh no, I'll let her do it. Okay, Anita, I'm rounding down to the last question. Is there anything specific that I haven't asked you or that you really want to talk about? Or are you ready for the um, final question? I can't think of anything right now. Um, I have a question for you, actually. Oh, okay. For you. What's going on? In the, in the last two seasons, of course, you've had the opportunity to meet and hear very many different um, opinions and sides of different things and hear about stories and everyone's history of drag. Um, what is it that you think you've learned the most about Dragon Winnipeg that you didn't realize before? 
That's a really tough one. Um, I know that as soon as this interview ends, I'm going to be like, shit, I should have answered this this way. But I guess that like, Dragon Winnipeg really isn't owned by anybody, you know? Like, um, yeah. we're, uh, uh, we're, we're all fucking drag queens and kings and things. Like, we have all a little bit of ego. And mm-hmm. we all feel like we have this, like, this ownership over this art form. But really, none of us control it. And it kind of takes shape and it changes and it moves the way that it wants to. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing really that anybody can do or say about it. It's sort of just this like this artistic force that kind of just mm-hmm. brings us all together. And I think that the people who, oh, maybe this is getting a little bit preachy, but kind of related to your your mention of like kind of just going with the flow, like I feel like the people who get left behind are the people who are digging in their heels. Um, and I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, and, and also drag is less of like a, like less of an artistic endeavor in Winnipeg than it is just like a community. We're all friends and family. Mm-hmm. We all love each other, I think, to a degree. Yeah. Good answer. <laughs> that was my question for you. I, I was thinking about that while we were talking, so I thought I would ask. Yeah. I mean, I've I've learned I've learned a, a million and a million and one things. I think that each episode teaches me something different, which is oh magical. for sure. Oh my god! Well, I have to say, it's fabulous that you're still open to learning because you'll end up picking up more information than you realize if you just listen. <laughs> if you listen, Linda. <laughs> if I listen enough and stop looking at myself in the little webcam and start looking at you, because <laughs> I've been like, oh. <laughs> I. I mean, that's so funny because I just sent my partner a message going, "I'm flirting with me." You think I'm flirting with you? I was joking when you're doing that. I'm like, "Why is she doing that?" <laughs> Maybe I am flirting with you, Anita. Maybe I am. What are you gonna do about it? Well, for starters, you're gonna have to come over and clean out my drag room. <laughs> Okay, I'll stop. Okay. No, I'm teasing you. All right. So what's I've your got final my, question? My final question for you? Or what did you, you said, did you? I do, yeah. I've got <laughs> one more. Anita, this one sounds a little bit scary, um, but I promise it's not. Do you think that there will ever be in any, like an end to Anita Stallion, the drag queen? Or do you think you're just going to be cross-dressed and right to the grave? You know what, it's hard to say. I was going to tell you earlier, um, about five years ago, when I did my one of my last moves, when I moved out of the house um, into the place I'm at now, I actually got rid of a lot of stuff. Oh. Uh, and for me, I kept thinking, oh, you know what? Oh, it's, you know, because I host, I do my thing. I'm like, the performance aspect of it, I was getting a little bit away from more. So I was like, well, I don't need this. I'm not going to wear this to host something. So I got rid of so much stuff because I kind of thought maybe I was going to go into a little bit of a, a break, I'll say, and that didn't happen. <laughs> so I regret doing that. So I don't know. I don't know that I have an expiry date, but I'm sure that when it comes, I'll know. And I'm okay with that. I've had so much fun. If I can leave any impression on 
other performers or other individuals, whether drag or just in the community, about coming from kindness and being open-minded and accepting people for who they are, then you know what? I'll be fine if I was done tomorrow. So that's basically the way I feel. If I can have, if I've been able to contribute as much as I've been able to contribute and when that's not gonna happen any longer, then I'll accept that. But until then, uh, come and find me, you know where I am. <laughs> Anita, that is the perfect way to end the episode and the perfect way to end this season. Oh, thank you so much. I, you know what? I am so proud of you. I think you've done so much for our community and there, you know, you, I don't think you get enough accolades, but I really wish you all the best for season three. And as your last person who you've interviewed, um, I'm actually getting something commissioned for you. <gasps> and it's going to be your very, very own teapot. Oh, really? When I see you next. But yeah, I'm trying to get one commissioned for you. So Aww. I thought it would be cool for you to have your own teapot. Anita. You're the sweetest person in the world. I just thought it'd be a cute little gift, so. It's so kind, you're so kind. <laughs> I, I love you so much. You are the absolute best. You too, baby. Thank you so much to Anita for being a part of this. She was such an amazing supporter throughout both seasons and her patience and kindness got me through a lot of the tough times during the production of this show. And this episode wraps up season two of Drag in the Peg. I'd like to thank every performer who was a part of this season. I am so immensely proud of this collection of episodes. Even more so than the first season, this series captures so many different ways our city's performers experience and interact with drag. Our guests were so honest and candid and led us into their lives asking for nothing in return, and I'm so amazed at their genuineness. And thank you to all of you, everyone who listened to the show, shared our episodes, liked or commented on our posts, talked about it and talked shit about it. This wouldn't be possible without the contribution of the Winnipeg queer scene, and I'm so proud that we gave you something to enjoy the past few months. Lastly, another big thanks to Claire Boning of Veneer, the composer of our lovely intro and outro themes. I thank her every single episode because A, it's very important to credit your artists, and B, she was super instrumental in giving this series its tone. She breathed life into the project when I had no idea where it was going to go, and even now I find myself humming it every once in a while. Please check out Veneer on Bandcamp and listen to their EP. It's so great, I cannot recommend it enough. So until next time, please stay safe, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of your community, and always remember to tip your local drag performers. realize I look like I'm not wearing anything I'm just like <laughs> you kind of do and I love it look it's at you good. look at you oh you're wearing heels and everything. you were wearing oh yeah well I'm green anyways are you are you expecting a date right away do I need to let you go no not at all <laughs> no. oh as a matter of fact I am <laughs> You know goddamn well I've got nothing going on in Nita's Dowdy. <laughs> this you know. Right?